today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Repentance is necessary in our lives. It's John that tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And John writes that to you and I as believers. That's not an unbeliever's promise. That's a promise that God gives for us as believers. And you might say, well, my sin was already forgiven. I prayed when I was, you know, eight years old to receive Jesus and all my sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. And beloved, you don't understand that on a regular basis, we need to cleanse the plate. We need to, again, go before the Lord confessing our sins because those things just build up within our lives. You may believe that asking God for forgiveness was a one-time deal. However, in Pastor David's message today, he will encourage you to come to the Lord seeking forgiveness frequently. Over time, your sin can build up, creating a barrier between you and the Lord. If you feel your pride overcoming you, then you likely need to go to Him. When you come to ask forgiveness, your slate is swept clean. If it's been a while since you've asked for forgiveness, take the time to do so today. And here's Pastor David in the book of Joshua chapter 1 as he begins his message, Conquering and Possessing. book of Joshua begins with, again, Joshua being put in that place. Actually, in Deuteronomy, God already directs Joshua. Moses directs Joshua. We hear this continual charge to Joshua that he is going to be the new leadership. Now, one of the things that uh, I've called this particular book or this particular lesson, Joshua, as far as conquering and possessing, but in actuality, I think a better name for it would be is the fact that God fulfills his promises, period, period. Don't forget the period. God fulfills his promises. When God speaks it, whether we believe it or not, God is going to do it. Now, that's different than those things as far as his blessings. Now, his blessings, actually, most of them are are conditional. It's conditional usually on how we respond, and we're gonna see that even as we go through Joshua, how we respond in the areas of repentance, how we respond in the areas of obedience, how we respond in the areas of faithfulness. That's when we start seeing and experiencing the blessings of God. Beloved, that's not only true for the children of Israel as they were going into the promised land, but that's true for you and I today right here in this place. When we live our hearts with that attitude of repentance, man, I don't know about you, but I I blow it on a continual basis. And I can get really prideful. I can get kind of arrogant and 
think that I don't need to go to repentance, but you know what? I notice real quick that I do. Because again, the, the sweetness of that fellowship of the Lord just, it, it gets further and further away. Repentance is necessary in our lives. It's John that tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And John writes that to you and I as believers. That's not an unbeliever's promise. That's promise that God gives for us as believers. And you might say, well, my sin was already forgiven. I prayed when I was, you know, eight years old to receive Jesus and all my sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. And beloved, you don't understand that on a regular basis, we need to cleanse the plate. We need to, again, go before the Lord confessing our sins because those things just build up within our lives. Repentance obedience, when the Lord calls, when the Lord directs, that we're willing to hear that still small voice and be obedient to his call. And then the faithfulness of what he's called us to. Sometimes the road gets weary. Amen? Few of you understand that. The road gets weary. Sometimes it gets tough. Sometimes there's battles and it seems the more we want to serve Jesus, the more we want to focus our life, man, it seems like the enemy will do anything and everything he can. Those are the times when we have to remain faithful to what he has called us to do. And that's what we see also here in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua can be divided up fairly easy, a number of different ways. I've divided it up uh, for our study tonight into four different sections. Number one, chapters one through five, moving into the promised land. The second part, chapters six through 12, the whole idea of battling with the Canaanites, the people that are in the promised land. And we'll look at it tonight, but God had promised, I'll go before you, I'll fight those battles for you. But yet there was still physical activity that the Israelites had to do in order for those battles to be completed. God called for them to, again, take certain stands, certain places, to go and fight certain battles there. God says, I'll go before you, I will defeat the enemy but we, they had to be show themselves faithful in the midst of it. Chapters 13 through 22 is a, is a long section within Joshua that deals with the dividing up of the land. And you and I might look at that and say, well, good grief, they're, they're, they're talking about borders and rivers and mountains and valleys that I have no idea where they're at. Why does that even matter to me? Well, it might not matter to you, but you know what? It certainly mattered to the Israelites when they got into that land. And again, even later on for the Jewish people to understand, man, that was the land of Benjamin, or that is the land of Benjamin. That's the land of Naphtali. That's the land of the half-tribe of Manasseh. That's the land of Gad. To understand, man, that's where our roots are. That's what God had promised, and God was faithful in his promises. And then the last couple of chapters, chapter 23 and 24, simply Joshua's farewell words to the people, and we'll look at that some. So, Let's get into the book. Chapter one is the area of the time. It's the words of them preparing to enter into the land. Now, I'm going to be covering quite a bit of the, the, the scripture passages here, so hopefully you do have your Bible with you as we look at this. If we look down at the fact that God is preparing, again, Joshua to enter into the land, I want to start at the verse one. After the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel." Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. You need to realize that though God had given them all of that land, It wasn't until the rule actually of David and Solomon that they had all of that land. Then, of course, Solomon, after the dividing of the kingdom, that kind of messed things up. But God's promise to them was was huge, a a great vast portion of the area. Look at what uh, he says here in verse 5. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What an awesome promise that is of God to Joshua. Can you imagine the the boldness that that would have put within Joshua to know that God says, listen, I'm gonna be with you just like I was with Moses. There's not gonna be anybody to be able to stand before you I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Again, uh, always there. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I don't know about you, but that ought to give us boldness. That gave Joshua boldness. And you know what? When I look through the scripture, Old Testament as well as new, I see God giving the same kind of promise to you and I. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. Where two or more are gathered, I'm there in your midst. He speaks about the fact that, again, us abiding in the vine and him supplying all of our needs according to his riches in glory. In the New Testament, these promises are yours and I's. Not every promise of the Old Testament are our promises. Some of them were distinctly for Israel. But I look at this and then I recall all the words of the New Testament that speak about God's presence, God's power, God's strengthening, God's equipping, uh, uh, his gifting, his calling in our life as believers. And I, and, and I see, man, that is the same strength, the same direction that he gave for Joshua there. But look at what he says here in verse six. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law. Look down in verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Don't be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then a little bit later uh, as he's talking to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the the uh, half-tribe of Manasseh who are going to 
They had land on the eastern side of Jordan, but they had told Moses, we want this land. But Moses said, okay, but you need to go with the rest of your brothers when they go to possess the land. They said, yes, we will. We'll definitely do that. Then they come back to Joshua down in verse 17 and say to Joshua, just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against Against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Right there, about three or four times. Also, we look back in the book of Deuteronomy. There's a, there's at least three other times. One, a couple of times where Moses tells him, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And then God speaks to Joshua. Joshua, be strong and of good courage. You think maybe Joshua might have had a little problem with that issue in his life? (laughs) Maybe he got a little nervous. Maybe he never signed up to be number one guy. Maybe he always figured, hey, Moses, I'll help you, but man, I don't want to be in the front. I'll work in the background. I'll I'll help back here. But yet God brought him to the forefront, and he said, but I'm going to be with you, Joshua, so be strong and be of good courage. So now we've got a new leader, a new beginning, as they are preparing to go and take the promised land. Chapter two, we look at and we say, well, that's the, that's the chapter where Joshua sends out two spies into the land again to look at Jericho to see if they can really take it or not, or at least to see what, what the situation is. They were confident that they could take it. Joshua was confident that they could take it 40 years ago. So why did he send in two spies? I believe the wisdom of that is, again, just looking at where your enemy is and understanding what the impact of the enemy, what the strength of the enemy, not that I'm fearful, not that I'm gonna pull back, but the understanding, I wanna know where the enemy is so that when I go in, we can strike directly cleanly and powerfully to take out the enemy. You may or may not know the story that as those two spies went into that land, they were there in Jericho and they went into, as your word tells you, into the house or into the the lodging place of a harlot, a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Much speculation comes in. Why did these two guys go into the the home of, of a harlot or a prostitute? That just doesn't make any sense. Well, one of the uh, answers or one of the uh, possibilities of it is is her home or her place of lodging could have served both as both just kind of a an inn uh, to, again, a place where any kind of a traveler could go and, and rest and, and get something to drink or eat or perhaps get a room actually for sleeping or whatever it might be. But she is the one who owned this. She's the one that operated it all. Now, when they go in there, they uh, somehow she finds out that they are Israelites, doesn't really tell us how did they go and say, oh, by the way, we're spies from the people of Israel, and I don't think that they would have done that. I think that probably by their talk, their, 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 their speech, 
She knew that they weren't locals. It's just like most of us. If we go down to Mississippi, they'll know that we're not locals, okay? Uh, Or if we go up to Boston, they'll know that we're not locals, that we're not from around here, are we? So again, as these guys come in, perhaps the way that they were dressed. But anyway, she knew that they were part of the children of Israel, the ones that are camped on the east side of the Jordan River. And I believe that is absolutely amazing. She is hiding them from King of Jericho found out that they were there. Uh, And again, maybe some others heard them speaking, went out and told him. So he sends soldiers to take them out. Look what it says down here in verse eight. She's going to hide them up on the roof underneath uh, some uh, grain and and piles of grain stuff on the stalks of flax. But in verse eight, it says, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that Jehovah has given you the land. How does she know that? Listen to what she says. The terror of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, what does it say there, church? Our hearts melted. Neither did they remain any more courage in anyone because of you. And here is Rahab's great confession. She says, the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, all that I have, deliver our lives from death. I believe at this point in time, as we speak today of conversion or a confession of faith, I see this in Rahab's life right here. She suddenly recognizes that all these pagan gods that the Canaanites have worshipped and, and uh, again, the, the, the atrocities that were there in Cana at that point in time, she suddenly realized, no, they have the one true God. They have the one real God. They have the powerful God. She makes, I believe, a confession of faith. The Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and God on earth below. So she lets them out, they go, and they escape back. That brings us then to chapter three. And we realize that as they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, that God is going to go before them there. We see that again, that the the Lord is going to have the priest carry the Ark of the Covenant first. Again, a visual, a, a declaration, God is going before them. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's not until they put their feet in the Jordan River that suddenly the Jordan River then stops flowing upstream and dries up enough for them to come. Also, it even speaks about the fact that this was the flood season during this time. In verse five of chapter three, Joshua said to the people to sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. 
And again, he directs the priest to take up the ark and it's the ark that is going to lead the way. And again, the the visual representation that God is leading the way, God's going to lead them into that promised land. Down in verse nine, Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Joshua says, you need to understand, God is gonna do this. You have to have faith that he is going to do this, that he is going to work this. You need to understand, yes, we know the enemy is out there. Remember, Joshua was among those original 12 spies, he and Caleb. There was no doubt there were giants in the land. There was no doubt that there were heavy-walled cities. There was no doubt that these were soldiers in that land because they were used to fighting each other, all these little kingdoms. There was no doubt about it. But here he is giving the word of the Lord to the children of Israel. God is going to do it without faith fail, he's going to drive them out before you. And so then we come to the point where now the the priests carrying the ark go into the Jordan River. The Jordan River separates, and we find there in chapter 4 that, again, as God goes before them, the opening up of that river, they are to go ahead and make a memorial for that. In chapter 4, in verse uh, Two, uh, Joshua tells him, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge that night. And he he makes there a memorial for them. And down in verse six, this may be a sign among you Again, a sign among you that when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever." Remember this as we go through this study here in Joshua, this first memorial that they put just on the other side of the Jordan River as they cross over. It's a great statement. It's a declaration that for generations to come, how did we get here? The Lord dried up the Jordan River so that we could cross over. We also see the parallel that as Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, again, drying up the Red Sea in order for them to cross over. Again, we see the faithfulness, the continuance of God to bring them again to that promised land. In chapter five, they're preparing for a battle. They're now on the western side of the Jordan River. The first city before them is Jericho with its great walls, its great army. Again, a very formidable city. Uh, It is a, a city that is placed where it is to keep any foreign invaders out. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm preparing for war, I'm gonna be out sharpening my sword, 
making sure my armor, whatever armor that I have is in good repair, making sure I'm taking, you know, ready to fight the battle with whatever I have in order that I can then go ahead and be very effective against fighting the enemy. But what happens here? We find out that No, God has another plan in mind. Down in verse two, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now, they're not circumcising them twice. It's that they had not been circumcised. So you've got these guys that once they came across uh, out of Egypt, they circumcised. But now that generation had died. This is a new generation. And he says, you need to circumcise these guys. So you've got some guys there that might be in their 30s late 20s or so, and it's time to circumcise them at that point in time. As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you, too. And I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. And you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible right here on The Open Word. Make us more.